So uh, we are finishing our series called Hit the Leap that we started a few weeks back. And if I, if I ask you, I'm sure everyone would agree with me, our health is the most important thing to us. Would we not agree with that? You ever try to self-diagnose something going wrong with you? I mean, I have for sure. You get a pain or you're not feeling well, and then you go online and you Google it, and all of a sudden you find out, I'm going to die. <laughs> Might as well throw in the towel. Worst case scenario, I'm done. You know, race to the closest hospital because you got problems. Anybody with me on that? Anybody hypochondriac that like any, any little thing, I might, I might fall into that category as well. But our health is so important to us. And in this series, we've been talking about our spiritual health, our emotional health, and today we're going to camp out mostly about our physical health, our bodies. The word says, the word says about us, and God paints a picture for us to understand how he sees us. It, the word is, in Ephesians, the second chapter, it uses the word masterpiece. But in the Greek, in the original language, the word is better translated, a work of art. And that's how God wants to see us. He wants us to see us as a work of art. Now, I look in the mirror, I don't see a work of art. I don't know about you. Some days are better than others. But the reality is God wants to see each one of us to see ourselves as work of art. I was thinking of the great artist. Man, if you've ever had a chance to, to go to Italy and go to Florence, you see the, the statue of David. Anybody seen that before? It's an, it's an, if you think about it, that Michelangelo sculptured that out of a piece of, of granite, excuse me, marble, piece of marble, and he didn't have any power tools, none, a chisel to make that incredible piece of work. If you see a Rembrandt or a Van Gogh, any of those, here's what the artist does. Even Bob Ross, you know Bob Ross? <laughs> artist, his picture, he's always stepping back to look, is this, is this what I have envisioned? And he steps back and touches it again and steps back. And God's that way. Oh, I want that person to have that personality. I want that person to have those desires. I want to put those dreams on them. I'm going to put this person in that person's life. I'm going to put that person in this person's life. That's how God saw us, a creation, a work of art. Anybody look in the mirror before they came on the campus today? We got in the car, came up here. Anybody look in the mirror? I'm thinking we all did. We look in the mirror and go, okay, I, I'm presentable. I can now go in public. You know, that, so we look, at, we look at our reflection. But just so you know, when God sees us, he sees his reflection in us. Not only are we uh, his work of art, but the word says in Genesis, in the very first chapter, he says that we were made in God's image. And that's what we were made. We are made with uh, our Three parts, equal parts, three important parts, our spirit, our soul, and our body. In fact, the word says that we are wonderfully complex people. Anybody married to somebody wonderfully complex? <laughs> kind of reaching out, uh, don't want to see. It. Here's the deal. We're all complex people. God made us that way. But so in this series, we're talking about our spiritual health, 
our emotional health and our physical health. And how God says, and, and I just want you to let you know, in some of these scriptures, it's pretty, I mean, it's straightforward, like bam, bam from the Lord. Not because of condemnation by any means. God's not a God of condemnation or judgment. He's a God of grace and mercy. And he knows what's best for us and how to make these bodies, our minds, our spirit, to be all that God created us to be. In a world where the enemy is trying to rob us from all of that. Are you ready for this tonight? So our spirit, our spiritual health. That's, our spirit is the deepest level of who we are. The deepest level of who we are. Our spirit, the Lord downloads the meaning of our life, the purpose for our life. In our spirit, our spirit gives us the ability to love and to love others and to love ourselves. And every human being on the planet is born with a spirit. But when our spirit, any believers in here? Any believers? Am I the only one? I love, you know, I always have people raise their hand just so there's some interaction. But I, I totally get it. Some people go, I'll never raise my hand, dude. I get it. But we're, we're all believers, right? Everybody in this room. And when we became a believer, God sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. And when our spirit and his spirit collided, something incredible happened. At the deepest level of who we are, we experience God. The person you were before that happened, the person after are two different people. Two different people, because we can experience the intimacy with God. The minute that happened, though, the minute that happened, the second it happened, actually, the enemy goes, whoa, problem, problem. One of my own has gone to be with God. I got to change this. And so what happens, he tries to, hurt, to derail our spiritual health. And the way he does it the most prominently is to throw doubt at us. Ever been reading the word? All of a sudden, out of the blue, doubt comes in your mind. That's the enemy. Right then. Wait, wait, wait. I've got to derail this person's spiritual walk with me. And I'm going to do it the best I can right now. It throws doubt. You might be watching a news, something in the news, or something, somebody a story somebody tells you, and you go, How could God allow that to happen? The enemy throws doubt at you right there. Are you hearing me? That's your, spirit, your spiritual health, your emotional health. That's your soul. Your soul is what God did in you to define you. It defines you. At the core of it, it's your personality. It's your life. It's your will. It's your desires. It's your dreams. It's your intellect. At the very core of who you are is your soul. When you take your last breath on earth and you take your first breath in heaven, your soul and your spirit can go to heaven right there. That's what happens. The, Lord's, the word says that you are made in God's image. God is immortal. The immortal part of you is your soul and your spirit that never dies. So the Lord would say, please, please keep that healthy. Are you hearing me? See, I have a twin brother. He looks pretty much like me. Throw that up there if you would. That's my brother. When we were younger, we used to look really close together. So we used to freak a few people out on dates. I mean, that was, that was, that's what we, that was our deal. 
I literally showed up at his, I, lo- I showed up in his class one time to make sure that he wasn't, uh, so he didn't be called uh, absent. So that's, that's where we were. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody had a clue who was showing up. Of course, we've gotten older and, you know, our looks are a little different now. But here's the deal. There's some things that we're a lot alike, but there's a couple that we are far from the same personality. See, in his garage in California, you would find a Harley, a BMW, and a boatload of dirt bikes, every shape and size. He loves to ride bikes. Now, I don't know if there's a name for a phobia against riding bikes, but I got it. (laughs) I don't get near a bike. I've been on a bike twice that he was trying to teach me how to do it. But my brain does not work clutch, gas, and all that goes with that. It doesn't work that way. So the last time I did it, I literally was just going to drive around the block, putt around the block. I drove it right in the Winnebago across the street, right right into it. Bam. Down I went. See, we're all, I mean, I love to golf. I relax on a golf course. I find peace on a golf course. Some of you in your mind right then go, what a complete waste of time. We all have likes and dislikes. That's put there by God. That's a gift from God and who you are as a person. But here's the deal. The enemy knows that he can derail that, derail and cause you to, your soul to be unhealthy. And his prime, he has two primary tools to do that. The first one is unforgiveness. If the enemy can allow, cloud your mind, your intellect, he will allow you to not allow you to forgive another person. And then that, that unforgiveness turns into bitterness and resentment and all the negativity that goes with unforgiveness. And then the, the enemy knows that he's upset. He's made your emotional health unhealthy. The second way he does it is through anger. He always throws, oh, yeah, I wouldn't take that. That really bugs me. And then all of a sudden, we allow our anger to get the best of us. And the enemy's going, dang, I'm good. Look at that. And he gets our, our emotional, our soul to be unhealthy. Are you hearing me? And today, I want to talk about our physical bodies. Because that's the third equal part of who we are. It's who shows up. It's who's recognizable. When we looked in the mirror today, some of us go, dang, I'm looking good today. You know, it's who we are. It's our identity. Is it wrapped up into our looks? And that's a part of our physical body. And I want you to know, we're going to look in the Word today, and it's quite clear, a couple things that God says, this is not my best for you, and it will harm you if you don't manage it well. Okay? I've entitled my, my message today, honor, your, honor God with your bodies. Based on this verse... It says this, um, wrong page. Do not, did you not recognize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself for God bought you at a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Now I looked up the word must in the original language and you know what it meant? Must. Like, yeah, you know, this is a gray area. I'm not, you know, I can, I can skirt on this one. I don't need to do that. That doesn't feel right. The word, is, the word is must. 
See, our, our bodies are amazing. Our bodies are literally amazing. When I said for you to tell other people you're amazing, it's because you are. If you, I, I, like I said, I love to golf, and I've golfed with the same group of guys for many, many years. And one of the guys, Dr. Earl, I've golfed with him for over 30 years. He's an eye doctor and optometrist. And he tells me all the time, if, if people knew just how complex, how amazing, how miraculous your bodies are, you, it would point you to God so quickly, you would, you, you would absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that there is a God. Now there's, you know, uh, evolutionists out there, natural selection folks, the, the Charles Darwin world, when he wrote the book in 19, 1859, Origin of the Species, everybody kind of needed, they're were, they were trying to pin their thing on something. How do we get here? If you follow that line of thinking, that means you are random. And by the way, is there anything random about you? Now, think about that a second. Is there anything random about you? Heavens no. Heavens no. You are amazing. And most of the things that always, all the way through life have tried, tried to prove that we just came from nothing, all debunked. And I'll tell you why. The real, the real honest scientists who were following that line of thinking, Darwin's line of thinking, how many have come to know Jesus and believe in God for this one reason. And I give you this, I'm, I'm going to take a little time, but I, I'm, I want to tell you this one, just in case you have friends who don't believe there's a God. Here's the most important thing. The, the proteins, the protons inside of you and the cells, every one of those are laced with information. When the sperm and the egg got together and out of that came life, in that all those cells, all those protons had information. Okay, it's time to do this. And it did it. You understand that, what I'm saying? How do you get information? By luck? Heavens no. The designer put information there. The word says in Romans, they have no excuse for not knowing God. In Romans, the first chapter around 16, it says, they have no, they have no excuse for not knowing God. It's obvious to them. If you look in the mirror and you're honest with yourself, you are a miracle from God. God made you just the way you are on purpose. And there is a creator. And that creator is God. And his son is Jesus. Are you hearing me? Your body is amazing. Here's what I want you to do, though. In our world today, the one thing that really we need to learn to manage in our bodies today, researchers told us, is stress. Now, our bodies, designed by God, were built to handle some stress. It's natural. Stress is not bad. It gives you, you know, it motivates you, it activates you, you know, it, it keeps you aware of danger. So stress on its, on, a, on its face value is not level. And your body, like I said, was designed to combat that. And here's the scientific way that happens. Let me read this for you. It says this, when a threat or worry or, or fear comes your way, your nervous system responds by a, releasing a flood of stress hormones, including adrenaline and cortisol, which rouses the body's emergence into emergency action. Your heart pounds faster, your muscles tighten, your blood pressure rises, your breath quickens, and your senses become very alert. 
Does that sound random to you? No. That's God built into your system to be able to handle that. The problem is, and research has shown, in the, in the world we live today, in 2000, in this culture, in this world now, our bodies are handling more stress than it can handle. Are you hearing me? There's so much going, coming at it all the time. We're trying to get our families raised. We're trying to get through class so we can get into great schools. We're trying to reach a new rank or a new place in, in the corporate world. We're just trying to get our dreams to come through. It costs a lot of money. All the stresses that come at it through 24-hour news cycles and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all that stuff coming at you causes stress. Not to mention the enemy throwing things at you regularly to cause you unforgiveness and anger and doubt and all that goes with that. It becomes, I'm just stressed thinking about it personally. I was talking to somebody, I was, I, was, I was meeting with a small group of men, and the younger, he's 18 years old, and he goes, I wish, I wish for the good old days. <laughs> I know. I said, I, I, at first I was saying, good old days? Like, I, I'm old, so I figured I probably lived in those good old days he's talking about. And I said, uh, so Aaron, what, what do you think the good old days look like? He goes, oh, you know, in the 50s. I go, you didn't want to live in the 50s. There was three stations, and you had to kind of hold the, the antenna to get them, get them in clear. You didn't want to live then. There was no internet, no smartphone. None of that was there. And so what he was really saying was he wanted to live in a more peaceful, stressless time. And that I agree with. We are living in a crazy, stressful time. And the word would tell us, the first thing, if you're taking notes under, you know, care for your body, is that you are a gift from God. That's the number one thing. You cannot leave here today without realizing God bought you at a price. When he says, I bought you at a price, that means now that you're a Christian, you belong to God. And secondly, you have to learn to manage your stress well. At the beginning of the year, on a, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning on a Friday morning. I was going to golf that morning. And all of a sudden, I felt this really kind of a pain right in here. And my muscles and both my arms really ached for about five seconds. And then it, the wave went away. And at first, I'm thinking, what was that? What did I eat? Self-diagnosing my problem. Never works. But anyhow, I cried. So what did I what did I take different? Did I what did I, you know? So I went back to sleep, and then the next day I'm on the golf course actually, and it happened again. And I go, whoa, what was that? You know, and same same pain. And I worked through Saturday, then I came to church on Sunday, and I was sitting over here like I normally do at the seven o'clock service. I said, and in my brain I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to go see my primary care provider tomorrow morning, and I'll sit there as long as I can because he's super busy. And I don't have an appointment. I'll just sit there until he can sneak me in. So we come home from church. Uh, my wife and I were um, mentoring this young couple. I stood up from the couch, and all of a sudden, it really hurt again. All here, here. And I said, Deb, you got to take me to the emergency room now. Of course, I never told my wife I had a problem. I know you guys would never do that. She, of course, freaked out. What? What's going on with you? I said, just take me to the emergency room right now. 
And I, get, I got to the castle emergency room. And by the way, just for the record, have you ever go to castle and all those seats are filled and there's people standing around waiting to see a doctor? Just tell them you're having chest pains. Bam, fast track to the beginning of the line. Right, I didn't even get my insurance card out of my pocket. I'm in on a bed and everybody's pouring over me. And all of a sudden the lady goes, you are having a heart attack, sir. We're going to get you in serv- into surgery right now. I had a heart attack. I had a series of heart attacks, actually. In fact, the doctor, the cardiologist said that if I waited till Monday morning to see my physician, I wouldn't be here today. I had over 95% blockage. So now we have to under, under, unwind why that happened. Well, the doctor says, I don't manage stress well, and I know I don't. And I say to you, listen to me. We have to be able to manage our stress well. Because what happens with stress? Stress causes anxiety. Then it can move into depression. Move to its farthest point. You can start feeling helpless and hopeless. And what causes that? You can take your own life. And the enemy will feed that the whole way. Are you hearing me? So what do we do? I don't want to just tell you we have a problem. I want to tell you how to fix the problem. Because the word tells us to. First is to make sure that what we're thinking and how we're processing life has a positive outlook. Given, listen, if the only people we're talking to is us in our brain, it ain't a good day. It isn't a good day. You need to let, be able to be able to let other people know, which I'll talk about in a second. But here's the deal. Given to our own devices and the enemy throwing doubts at us and negativity and really upsetting our health, we will think negative most of the time. Unless it's, un, if it's not, un, if it's not checked, but the Lord, the word, the, the word says for us to have a positive outlook. In fact, worry is the absence of faith. Whoa. And somebody told me that because I am given to worry and stress. And that's, that's, that's the world. Peel back the curtain of Rob and you're going to find out that I, I'm always trying to manage my stress. There's, I'm, I'm always kind of got that anxious level. And I'm trying to do really well. I, I have a plan in place. I'm meeting uh, somebody to help, help me through this thing uh, to, to handle my stress. But I say, if you are given to stress and you're living there, and here's how you know you're at stress is when your emotions are right on the edge all the time. You snap really quickly or you don't snap, but in your brain you snapped. It doesn't come out of your mouth, but if you know if it, if it did come out of your mouth, you'd really hurt the person that you were going about to address. Am I, are you hearing me? This is super important because the Lord says, I want you to be the best you can be and I want you to be healthy all the way. I have kids. Anybody have kids in here? What do you want more than anything for your kids? To be spiritually and emotionally and physically healthy. I pray that every day for my kids, their spouses, and my grandkids. I pray that every day. Lord, I pray your healing touch, your blessing, your anointing, that you would protect them spiritually, emotionally, and physically. I do that every single day. I do that for my wife. I do that for myself. It prevents the enemy from having room. Because you give the enemy one second, he's in, and he'll just throw this thing into unhealthy like that. Secondly is you got to exercise. Women, show up at 6.30 on Saturday morning and do boxing. You got to exercise. You have to exercise. Now, I, uh, now, if you've been here a while and know me, don't yell out the answer. So I had uh, 
I, I got involved with 24-hour fitness and I uh, gave them my account number and uh, they took it out of my checkbook. I just went to them. I never saw it. How many times in two years do you think I went to 24-hour fitness to work out? Take a guess. One time. One time? Zero. So you know the answer. Zero times. <laughs> Good use of my money, right? Wouldn't you say? got to exercise. You have to exercise. And here's why you have to exercise. All of us deal with stress and the body is designed to get that stress out of you, to flush that stress off your organs, off your mind through exercise. You have to figure out how exercise looks in your life. By the way, Dr. Oz and I, you know, who, who knows better than him? <laughs> says a body, I mean, excuse me, the fountain of youth is a body in motion. So who else knows better than him? <laughs> Anyhow, you got to get your body in motion to flush out that before it becomes super serious. Because stress causes cancer, gang. And it's running through. It's running through the culture. A lot of things that are happening in our body are self-inflicted. And we go under, how in the world did that happen? Self-inflicted. So the other one, next one is you got to eat well. You have to learn to eat well. Since that day, since January 6th, I have not been near a McDonald's restaurant. Before, I possibly gone there three or four times a week for lunch. Not healthy, I know. Don't judge me. <laughs> but that's reality. I, would, I did not eat well. I, fast food, you know, I know people who their, their lunch is spambles to be at uh, 7-Eleven. You know, and by the way, I, I, I kind of like spam musubi, but guess what? It's not good for you. So you, like my cardiologist said, I said, does that mean I got to give up hamburgers? He goes, you don't have to give up a hamburger. You can have a great hamburger once in a while. Just don't waste it at McDonald's. Like go somewhere good. Get some grass-fed good food. So of course, as soon as that happened, we went on making sure that we're eating healthy. And we were making sure that what, what we were putting in our body, you know, processed food is not good for you. I'm sure you know that. And I'm not going to hear to tell you how to live your life. But make sure you know what's going in your body. Ready? And then lastly is make sure you're processing life if stress is stressing you out with somebody else. Let them know, hey, I'm dealing with this issue. And, and if here's, here's a trick. Here's what we do at my house. You might want to use it. Like if you're talking to your spouse about your issues, you might want to say, hey, babe, I just want to tell you what's going on in my life. I don't want you to fix it. Now, you might be quiet here, but you know what I mean. Because like you just want, you're trying to process. Let me think out loud and let me flush this out of my body. But if somebody's trying to fix it, they instantly break your conversation to tell you how to fix it. And you hadn't finished your thought. Are you hearing me? It's, that's a regular statement in my house. It's not offensive. It's just reality, babe. Can I tell you what happened today? I need you to flush this out. Don't try to fix it. And everybody, we're all on the same play page. Okay? That's why connect groups are crazy good. That's why brotherhood and sisterhood and these connect groups are, are having that you're doing life together. Look at my men's group. Look at all men deal with issues in life and you need help dealing with those issues. It affects your body. Come join us 7.30 on Saturday morning. Sisterhood, come join Sisterhood. Go online, go find a connect group that meets your needs so you can talk through life with other people. Secondly, 
Here's what happens. When you allow that stress, so that, by the way, I was told that I'm not telling you the points. The second point was tune your body. Tune your body. Well, what happens when stress overwhelms you? And it overwhelms you. It's, it's, it's very clear it does. Your, 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 your natural systems are overloaded. And what happens is we're trying to come over it past a hurt or a hang-up or a habit or a frustration and all this stress is coming down to us. And sometimes we self-medicate. And we take things and put in our bodies to relieve the pain and the pressure. And then that turns into addictions. So my point here is, who's in control? Who's in control? Because if we're not careful, something, and what happens chemically in your body is, the natural way that your body handles stress now has been overridden, and now it needs whatever substance you put in there to, over, to take care of it. So you're always running to that, it's called addiction. Just for the record, all of us are susceptible to addiction. It's a part of the human condition if it's not managed well. Are you hearing me? What's an addiction? Addiction is when something else has control of you. The word says this. It says this. In Romans 6, it says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sin sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God, and you, for you are dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin no longer is a master, for you are no longer under the control and requirements of law. Instead, you live under the freedom, hear me, freedom of God's grace. That's good news, gang. So what if we are, what if something else is, what if that is in your life? What's happening in that? Remember this. God is not a God of judgment. And he's got not a God of God condemnation in any way. He's a God of grace and mercy, fresh starts and new beginnings. So here's what you do. If that's something that's really got you down and you, and that's, you know that it's controlling you and you'll know really quickly if you try to keep it, if it's a secret, no one's going to know about this. You know you got a problem. You know if you go out of your way to hide it from other people, it's a problem. Are you hearing me? So what do you do? You make sure you literally have to get other people in your life. It's if you're looking at me right now and you know that this is true, there's a habit that you've been trying to overcome, you've tried it, you failed, you tried it, you tried it, you go through that cycle of craziness. It's because no one knows your secret. You're only as sick as your secrets. So someone has to know what's truly going on in your life. I have two people in my life, several, but two that I meet with on Tuesday mornings and have again for many years. And these two guys, they know everything about me. There's nothing they don't know about, good, bad, and the ugly. And the same is true for them for me. I know them. We're able to pray for one another. Is somebody in your life, do you have, somebody, do you have that somebody that literally knows your secrets? That's why connect groups and brotherhood so important. So around here, though, we have an amazing resource for you, if that's you. If you have hurts and hang-ups and habits that overwhelm you, we have resources here on this campus on Thursday night. It's called Celebrate Recovery. Our amazing pastor, Ernie, and his wife, Jody, and their team, August, and the rest of the gang 
are here to help you. And here's why they can help you. They've walked in your shoes and found freedom. Isn't that what you want? Freedom. That's Thursday at 7 o'clock. And the last point is, who's in charge? Who's in charge? Now, this is heavy. This gets, uh, this, is, this, is, this is, I'm only using the word, but I can tell you this is, this is a heavy subject on, on your physical health. The word's going to tell us in a second that no other, no other sin affects the body like this one. This one's personal to you because it not only affects your physical body, it affects your emotional body, it, feels you, it affects your spiritual part of your body. All of us have, we have great, the Lord's given us this ability, our, our senses, our ability to smell and taste and hear and see, all that. Those are amazing. But we also have feelings. And our desire as human beings is always to feel pleasure. That's, that's really important to us. And in this culture today, and it was back then, because this word was written, the scripture I'm about to read was written 2,000 years ago. But we live today in a very highly sexually charged world. And you're looking at me, oh, dude, don't tell me you're going to talk about sex. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because the word is clear on this. And, it's, and it says it many places in the word. And he doesn't say it to point a finger at you. You, whatever. God's not trying to do that. God's trying to make sure that you live your best life that he designed for you. And to have sex, hear me, this is going to step on some toes. I totally get that because I do a lot of counseling around here. I know what I'm talking about in this regard. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. It's not wrong because... It's wrong because it hurts your body. It's wrong because it's not God's best for you. You have to understand that. If you're anybody 38 and younger in the room, 38 and younger, raise your hand. Don't be shy, 38 and younger. A vast majority of you are. The culture, the way of life, the thought processes in your culture, in your generation is, what's the deal? It feels good, do it. It doesn't hurt anybody. And so we, we've allowed the culture to dictate our priorities. So you're looking at me right now going, dude, what are you talking about? It doesn't hurt anybody. I'm just saying, and I'm going to read it, it's not God's best for you. It says this in 1 Corinthians 6, do, not, do you not realize that your body, again, are actually parts of Christ? Every verse I've read to you starts with, you belong to Christ. You are bought with a price. And this one, it says, don't you realize that your body is a part of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture says that the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one in spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does, Paul says. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Again, I've been around the block a day or two, and I want you to know, I'm going to talk about a couple of things here, super important, especially, hey, by the way, if you're young in this room, here, listen up, listen up. And your parents are going, don't talk, I got my kids in the room, you're not going to talk about sex, are you? 
Here's a, I, know, I, I know I'm pushing a few buttons in the room. I totally get that. But I think this is, it's not out of condemnation and judgment. It's just for God's best. So let me tell you something. This is really important. When I, before I got married, I lived with my wife. We lived, for, we lived with each other for about a year and a half. If my wife, Deb, was here, we'd both tell you that wasn't our finest, that wasn't our finest decision. That was actually a mistake. And here's what I found over time. See, in God's eyes, he brings you two together. And at first, he just wants you to become friends. And then better friends. And then best friends. And then spiritually and emotionally connected. And then get married. And it's amazing. Because all these boxes were checked in this relationship so that you could make a decision if I'm going to marry this person. If you allow sex to come in, all of a sudden, it jumps to this level way up here where expectations, unmet expectation, hurt are so easily happens. And what's the difference in here? Where was this at? That's just becoming even soulmates. Seriously good friends. People that you know, warriors for one another, you know you have each other's back. That's the part that gets missing. And just for the record, I've married hundreds of people. I do a great wedding. Great wedding. I will marry you so fast. You go and get your health, get the license from the health department. We'll go down to the beach at sunrise and we will get married. And here's the deal. Then you're going to experience God's best for your life. Hear me. I'm not saying that of any condemnation. I'm saying that out of complete and total pastoral love that you'll go places in your relationship and answered prayers in your relationship that to now, to this point, has not happened because you're not living in God's best. Are you hearing me? But can I say this too for the married couples in this room? This is not an area where you allow it to slide and not become important. The word says that you when the two became one flesh in a marriage, talks about marriage, the two became one flesh. The word, became, uh, the word joined together. It says you were united in one flesh right there. The word united in the original language meant to be permanently fused at the deepest level emotionally. That you'd be permanently fused at the deepest level emotionally in your marriage. So sometimes life gets in the way. I totally get it. I'm married. 42 years, I totally get it. But I know how important being intimate with my wife is, and my wife knows it for me. The word says, if you're married, look this verse up today. 1 Corinthians 7.4. 1 Corinthians 7.4. I'll give you a brief overview, but go read it. It's kind of... Basically says, husbands, don't neglect your wife. Wives, don't neglect your husband. Because if you do, you're giving the enemy... Foothold, a foothold in this relationship. Listen, the marriage goes like this. I totally get it. But when you allow that to take a back burner, you are hurting the relationship. It's, if you are drifting apart, you're not permanently fused at the deepest level on a regular basis. Oh, you didn't say that, Pastor. Whoa. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. In our, in our society today, sex just, it's ever, it just runs everywhere. The younger generation, um, 
It's a part of every conversation. If you're in junior high and high school, you got a smartphone, guess what you're doing? It's just the reality. But here's the deal. God says, I want my best for you. Here's a, can I just say this too? Guard your heart. My next point is guard your heart. This is big. You've heard of the Great Wall of China? So the Great Wall of China is, is a massive, you can see it from space. You, you know it's gigantic, right? I don't have to tell you that. But every few miles, they put this little gate in so they can maintain the outside of the wall in case the rocks fell down or they needed to do it. So they, their little gate, they, it was so small that they knew the oncoming forces couldn't get through it, except they did. Here's what the word says. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your path. You see, when you allow just a crack for the enemy to come in, he's coming in with all he's got. With all he's got. So you gotta learn to guard your heart. Know what you're seeing, what you're allowing your eyes to see. The word says this in Matthew 6, says your eye is a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. So if the light you were thinking, you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? So here's the deal. Just make sure that you allow, guard your mind. A friend of mine was uh, told me a story. He was talking to his son. And his son's a big video t- t- uh, game guy. And the, son go, the father asked the son, why do you watch that? It's, it's just nothing but killing and blood. And, and he goes, the son, son told his dad, he goes, it doesn't bother me. And the dad said this. I know that's what bothers me. It should. We've desensitized ourselves to what God's best is for us. Are you hearing me? And how do we overcome all that addiction, stress, all that comes with life? Be all in for God. My last point is this. Be all in for God. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Love God intensely. And he will open doors that you never thought possible. He will break the bonds that you thought were, had to change around you. He'll let all that go if you focus on Jesus. If I ask you guys in this room, what do you want most in life? Now, you come up with a bunch of different answers. But I bet if I said this one, you'd all agree with me. All I want is peace. Anybody with me on that? All I want is peace, peace of mind, just peace around. All I want is peace. In the original word in the language, that word is shalom, to bring rest. But the word Shabbat shalom, which is part of this word here is in, this, in this text that we've said that you experience a peace that is beyond understanding, it's the word Shabbat shalom. Let me read it to you. Let me read the definition so I don't get it wrong. It says this. It says, Shabbat Shalom, that you may have, oh, that you may be whole and complete, and that you'll have no deficits. May you have everything in alignment in your life. You see, when we have our spiritual and our emotional and our physical bodies in alignment with God's will, we experience God's best. And we wonder, why isn't there peace in my life? It's because one of those are not in alignment. So let me just pray for you. In a minute, when we come back up here, when the worship team comes back here, up, the last song we're going to sing is a song called Peace. And I don't want you charging out the doors to get your car out of the parking lot or your kids out of children's church quite yet. 
And I don't want you to think about what you're going to have for lunch or what your next day, what your next move is for the day and this amazing Sunday afternoon. All I want you to do is zero in on the words. Let every, other, every care and all that fade away. Just focus on the words that we're about to sing in this last worship song on peace. Pray with me, Lord. I know this is heavy, Lord. I know there's, you know, it's a heavy subject, Lord. You've, we live in a crazy world, Lord, and so many temptations, so many things come flying at us, so much stress and anxiety, Lord, that is damaging to our body. So I pray, Lord, with the authority that you give me in your name, Jesus, that healing touch would fall on this room right now in a supernatural, miraculous, divine way, Lord, that wherever our issues are, for every single person in this room, whatever those issues are, Lord, you'd come and flood our minds and our hearts and our spirit with your grace and your mercy, Lord. I pray that in Jesus' name for everybody in this room, Lord. If they need a healing touch from an addiction, for whatever has happened, Lord, meet them right this minute, Lord, at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning at Anchor Church, Lord. I pray your Holy Spirit fall in this room right now like never before with your grace and mercy. And Lord, I want to lift up and pray for anyone in this room who has never come to know the saving grace that we're talking about, this Jesus. And if that's you, if you've never come to know Jesus, the word says in Romans that if you confess with your mouth, in other words, if you tell somebody else, and you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins, the word says that you'll be saved. And what that means is that the Holy Spirit's going to come into your life this morning in a new and powerful way. And that you'll be able to spend eternity with God. And that along the way in this journey in life, you'll be able to pray. And the word says you can pray for anything in my name. And I'll listen to you. And you'll be heard from heaven. So if you've never come to know Jesus, the way we do it around here so they can tell somebody is, in a couple seconds, you're going to raise your hand and I'm going to acknowledge you and we're going to hitchhike, you're going to hitchhike off my words when I pray. So if that's you, if you've never come to know the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. I'm looking around. I see you. I see you. See you. Okay, pray with me. Lord, Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for doing my thing my way without you, Lord. I acknowledge that you're my creator and Lord, and I acknowledge that you died on the cross just for me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, forgiving me. Lord, I pray for everyone that raised their hand this morning that your grace and mercy would envelop them right now in Jesus' precious name. And we all said, amen. Good job, gang.